weekend racing. It's time to recap it. And who better to do it than Michael New Magic? Two bros slash pros who cover the highs and lows of racing around the globe on every one of their shows. Real fans look forward to these guys in their last thoughts because they know they're not talking out of their royal ascot. What they say makes sense. So ladies and gents, sit back and relax as Blinkers Off presents The Magic Mike Show. Where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show. Tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show. You can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com. What's up, everybody? I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. Make sure what's next to Mr. Samich. Huzzah! Get your mic to work, Magic. Is it not working? You're cutting in and out there. <laughs> I was saying, my mic's, I'm too excited. You know what day it is? It's Tis a Magician Day. It's happy birthday, officially, full date to Tis a Magician. I'm rocking all the gear today. Feeling good. There we go. There we, uh, the almost grade one winner so many times. Oh, multiple graded stakes champions. Tis a Magician. Hey, it's more than once, which is more than I can say about Moonlight Doro, who took another shit over the weekend. Hey, we're going to be coming at you with a special Wednesday preview of Goldstream Park because, let's be honest, last weekend, pretty damn boring. But Wednesday's card at Goldstream, not boring. That pick four is going to be interesting, some fun horses to talk about. Uh, Mike, are you ready to just jump right into it? Let's get in it, man. Right, just Listen, we got some tournaments going on today. We got to get right into it. We're looking at the first leg of the late pick four sequence Wednesday at Gulfstream Park. We're going to kick things off with race five. It's a one-turn dirt mile for eight maiden three-year-old fillies. The only horse who hasn't run yet is your three-to-one favorite. That's the number six. I'm baffled. A $1.1 million daughter of Medaglia Doro. And Mike, my first test for you. Did you do your homework? Do you know who her famous older half-brother is? Come on. Constitution, baby. Yeah. This is half the Constitution, one of my favorite sires. Uh, and, and you don't often see a $1.1 million horse end up in the uh, Ralph Nix barn either. Uh, so kind of crazy that, that we ended up here with, with the half the Constitution. Workouts have been pretty good. I think this horse is, is kind of interesting. I, I'm going to throw one question right back at you. Morning line here is three to one. What are the off odds on the six horse on back? Seven to five. Eight uh, to five. Favorite, right? I mean, like this oh. is going to be your post-time favorite and it's not going to be that close, right? Correct. <laughs> and if it is that close, what does that tell you about the other horses getting bet? It's interesting. Right? Yeah. It, it, let's say this horse goes off at four to one. Does that scare you? Yes. Well, uh, yes and no, because there is one other horse that I feel very strongly about that has experience. So if that horse is taking the money, which is it's the second choice on the morning line, then that makes me feel better about the three Missy Greer. All right, I was going to say, tell me about Missy Greer, because I'm sure this is the right route you're going to go now. Yeah, uh, Danny Gargan's second off, 28%. Uh, with Louis Saez, Gulfstream Park, 34%. But biggest reason, this is the one horse that I know is going to go, and go hard and go early. Um, I like the fact that she uh, set the pace and faded, but it was on the mud. And that can take a lot out of a horse, especially if they're coming off a layoff like she was. Nope, we're right back one month later, same level, no big gaps, Um Saya is staying aboard. By the way, she has her own famous half-brother, not as famous as Constitution, but Gronkowski, uh, second, famously second to justify in the 2018 Belmont Stakes. Um, so, yeah, I, I, these are the only two that I'm using. Um, I do think that the three is going to get more value than seven to two because of the six being heavily bet. But like that question you asked me, if, if the six isn't getting bet, I think the three is taking it, and that's going to make me feel better about using her here. I almost didn't use the three. This was actually oh, okay. the last horse on my entire ticket. Um that last race is just I, I have a little concerns that the mud is actually what moved the horse forward. Uh, Nyquist out of a looking at Lucky Mare, not, 393 Tomlinson rating for the wet. Uh, and, and the turf for efforts early, then going over to the wet is always something I talk about where, where turf horses seem to take toward muddy tracks a little bit more. Sometimes it's maybe one of those situations. I'm also not positive the three is the fastest horse. Uh, I think the one on the inside, Rita Marga is maybe as fast or faster than Missy Greer. Uh, I, I think first off, the one has to 100% send here. And if you look back at the first race where Rita Marga went seven furlongs, they went 22 and two, 45 and one. And we were only three lengths off the lead. Um, the three horse last time went 23 and change, 46 and change, and quit hard at a mile. 
I think at, at worst, you're going to see some token pace pressure from the one. I think you actually may see the one go after the lead just because of that draw. You kind of have to push from that side post. Um, I like the upgrade here from, from Sutherland to Arroyo as well, from this specific area where I think Arroyo just is 100% going to send here. So I have a little interest in the one. The one horse made my ticket. I did put the six I'm baffled on top. If this horse takes money, you can single this horse. I think if, if like if we if we're staring down four to five, this horse is a monster. It's like, and so I, I, at that point, I would consider singling or starting this thing out with a $5 ticket because we don't get to see the tote board on Monday when we're doing this for Wednesday. <laughs> I'm a little more concerned because I'm not positive. And I, I don't love the fact that we're debuting as a three-year-old instead of as a two-year-old because this is clearly a horse that they probably wanted on the Derby Trail. And Constitution famously won the Florida Derby here. Um, didn't end up in the Kentucky Derby, but did win the Florida Derby over this racetrack. Uh the other horse I'm going to use here is going to be the eight horse. Um, all the way on the outside, Friendship Road. It's our second time trying dirt. I think it's interesting that we ran pretty well first time out, actually faced the one horse, Rita Marga, um, and didn't ended up running fifth that day. Didn't take very much money, but comes back off the layoff, switches over to turf, takes some money. Now we're going to throw the blinkers on. We get Irad aboard, second off the layoff for Shug's 18% angle. I'm going to use the eight here, too, just because I wouldn't be shocked if you see a, a, a monster effort here. And this is one of the horses I think can close from a little bit off the pace. And I think that the three is going to go. I think the one is going. I wouldn't be shocked if the six has speed. Uh, you could see kind of that that pace setup that sets it up or that pace setup that sets it up for someone coming from off of it. Uh, Friendship Road, I kind of went back and forth about because it, it's Irad, it's Suge, and, and you see that uh, Suge's trying something new here, trying to, you know, each start, okay, did, maybe it wasn't the dirt, we'll try turf, okay, well, not the turf, I'll go back to dirt, maybe it's the blinkers, maybe that'll work for her, but um, also another one with a famous half-brother, uh, Olympia, this one's still in training, and we're actually going to see him on Saturday uh, at Fairgrounds, but uh, yeah, lots of uh, famous uh, brothers and the sisters who were, you know, running Wednesday at Gulfstream, maybe not as strong as uh, their older brothers there uh, didn't use, but I think you're going to get a good price on friendship road. I think it'll be, you know, eight to assuming the field stays intact. I think you'll get closer to eight to one. Like she was last out on the turf, because again, expecting the six to take a lot of money. I think the three will do it as well. And for me, I mean, you're going four deep and you're using the two favorites. I'm using just the two favorites. Uh, but again, I think that that price disparity is going to be worked in there. Uh, anyone we did uh, that we didn't talk about that you're worried about before we move on. I went back and forth between the five and the three as my my last horse on okay. the ticket here. Rum Swizzle uh, is actually a half the cowboy culture, six-time winner, all on the turf, including a grade three if you want to continue the, the half-two story we got going here. Uh, this is a gunrunner who first time out took some money, faced a fairly good field, broke out of the nine post, didn't get off great, never was really that involved, was able to make a little bit of ground up um, down the stretch, but nothing nothing crazy. I ended up not putting this horse on, but I wouldn't be shocked if we see a, a big effort second time out here for Rum Swizzle. And, and Jose Ortiz, who I think has been riding as good as anybody at Gulfstream right now, decides to take back the mount here second time out. So uh, for me, that five was kind of back and forth. Again, I, I think that uh, a lot of this is based – if the three goes off the favorite, I don't want the three. I'd rather have the five than the three. But if the, if the five – if the six takes a ton of money, then I'd rather take the three than the five. So it's one of those interesting situations where we're doing this multiple days out. But I think the board is really important specifically in this race. Do you know what Gunrunner and Practical Joke both have in common? Haven't as, won as sires. Yet. Haven't won on turf yet. One win turf routing oh. for, for each of them. Uh, and actually, remember at Tampa, that finale, that race was won by 23 to 1. It was turf route by Practical Joke Horse. Uh, I can't even remember the name. Not worth remembering, but I just remember thinking, of course, we shit all over the horse because there were like there were three practical jokes in there, and we we're like, they don't win on turf route, and of course, you know, there's three well, of them in there, so one was about to do it. Do this it. is a this is a mile one turn mile on dirt, so yeah, I'm not sure that that's too. No, it has nothing to do. I just was looking at the stats and I was like, huh, that's interesting. I yeah. knew I knew practical joke was bad. I didn't know Gunrunner. Listen, Gunrunner is a monster on dirt. If you're buying a Gunrunner, pulling out on turf. That's a you problem. Let's move on to the second leg of the late pick. Yeah, sorry. No, I agree with you. I'm, oh. I'm surprised that, that there have been so many gun runners trying turf. It, I, like it, to me, it's, it's one of those things where I expect them to be on dirt. Now, the dam here is a good turf dam. So I think that's why you, you kind of see some back and forth here with the five run swizzle. But I, for the most part, agree with you. It doesn't make a ton of sense to try and buy a gun runner for way too much money and then throw them on turf. Listen, it's your money. You do with it what you want. Uh, I'm going to use it to spend on betting the ponies. The Gulfstream, second leg of the late pick four here at Gulfstream on Wednesday, March 23rd. Race six is a two-turn turf mile for 10 older Florida-bred males. The optional claimer, non-winners of uh, one other than state-bred level. Seven of these horses all exit the same race, including my top pick. But first, tell me yours. Oh, man, I, I thought that this was an interesting race. I actually 
almost singled the horse all the way to the outside. Uh, the 10 super designed, but I couldn't get myself to do it because of the post. Um, this is an interesting horse. First two starts out of the Wesley board barn, uh, both at the age of three, both came over the turf, went six and a half furlongs, broke its maiden at Kentucky Downs. Usually that's where you see some pretty good Wesley Ward horses. Comes back in an N1X allowance uh, at Keeneland and doesn't run very well. Just, <laughs> just kind of blah. Um, we then come back later this in the 2022 year, or January, and run two races, both of those over the synthetic. The first one, we're going five furlongs. The second one, we're, we're going a route. And when you look at that second race, the mile and 70, this is like exactly what you don't want to do on the synthetic. You don't want to be close to a 23-46 pace, make the lead at the half mile point. You have to steady on the first turn. Of course, this horse is going to quit. It's everything that you don't want over that synthetic trip. This time you're coming back here, you're getting on the turf and a race that is doesn't have a ton of pace. There is some pace in here, but not a lot. Um, and you have a horse that's shown that it can be a very talented horse early in its career. Ward usually fires right off the bench. When I, when Jose gets a board award horse, they're winning at 24% of the time the last two years. I think it's all systems go here for the 10 super design. It was my top pick. But like I said, because of the post, I couldn't quite get myself to single this one. It's a combination for me of the post. Um, and this is like the opposite of a Wesley Ward horse. This horse, uh, first of all, not even until halfway through the three-year-old season, the horse shows up. And six and a half furlongs at Kentucky Downs might as well be a mile at most tracks. So not sprinting on the turf. Then goes to Keeneland where Wesley Ward dominates. It's sprinting. Uh, both times, by the way, four to one, nine to two odds. So wasn't taking a ton of money. This is the anti-Wesley Ward horse. This is not a spot I want to touch this horse, uh, especially seven to two, uh, that post 10. There's nothing about this horse uh, that says this is uh, his usual style. And, and so therefore, it's like you get a Bob Baffert turf router. I'm like, I mean, sure, maybe they can do it, but I, it's not something that I want to do very often. So I'm going to pass on your 10 horse completely here. I, I actually was looking at the tickets. We completely disagree in this race. <laughs> scares me a little bit. Oh, my other topic was the four horse exchange day. Um, and, and this is one, again, you look two back, it's synthetic, showed speed, stopped going two turns. Last time out, was able to make the lead, got headed late. That was going a mile and a 16th. Today we're going a mile. Um, also has a, in my mind, a little bit easier of a field here to face. There was some pace pressure that was available in that one. This time you get absolutely none. Was also the favorite in that race, which I think is important to note at $2.40. So the four and the 10 were my top two. And I think clearly the only two speed horses, which in, at Gulfstream Park can be a big time problem if there's only two horses to go to the lead. Did you use either of them? Sorry, uh, that had my ticket in from, I think, because we were what happened before the, the, the show started. It didn't save it. No, the four is my top pick here. Because when you said the other horse was your four, I was like, wait a minute. I love this horse in almost singled exchange day. I think this, is, <laughs> I think this horse's pure speed is going to, uh, the only way this horse I really think has a chance to lose is if Le Peru walks the dog so much, everybody just falls asleep, including this horse. Uh, this horse should really not have an excuse here. Last out in that race, uh, it was a mile and a 16th further. So, uh, you know, the horse is now cutting back. But the number nine horse in here, Mr. Leonardo, challenged him. Like, going into the far turn, exchange day on the rail, fought back gamely, had the lead all the way into the final yards, um, ends up getting caught. By the way, Mr. Leonardo challenged him, lost by seven lengths. He was second to last by the time they got to the wire. Um, I Also, exchange day, if you look at the form, there's really only one bad turf effort. Five furlongs, January, a higher class than what the horse was ready for over a year ago. So yeah, no, the four was definitely my top pick in here. Um, the other one I used since, uh, you only went too deep as well. I used the two dominate the moment. Uh, I read Ortiz juniors hopping aboard and I have no idea why. And therefore that intrigues me. This horse went a very sneaky four furlongs in 47 flat. It was on the dirt, but for that final work, when the horse never shows anything in the morning, I was like, well, that catches my attention. Now I'm getting Irad aboard. If the horse can get a good stalking trip and get first run, and if the four just still happens to hit that wall, which the horses tend to do a lot, uh, I think this is the horse that's going to be there to pick up the pieces. But again, I, I really do love the four a lot in this spot. Yeah, I looked at Dominate the Moment quite a bit. Um, this is actually my third horse in this race. If I was going to go deeper, I, the two horse would be the next horse on a ticket for me. Uh, I think this is actually a sneaky upgrade from a trainer perspective. So you're going from uh, Alan Iwinski, uh, who is 5% uh, as of 5.14, into the, the Gary Lee Barn, who was 23% last year, 21% this year, 14 starters, three winners at Gulfstream. So small sample size, but but successful. And, and that's important to note. Um Dominate the moments had races in the back form that that get the job done here. Biggest problem with this horse, it doesn't seem to like to win all that much. Three seconds since last five starts to 2021. And oh, by the way, we haven't seen this horse since 
uh, July 4th of 2021. Now, if we do take a step forward here, it, it's it's trouble because Dominique the moment is good enough to win this race with a step forward. So the two horse was one that I considered it. And one of the main reasons was I going to a barn that is low profile, but with a good win percentage from a barn that has a, you know, decent profile, but a low win percentage. So I do think there's an upgrade there. Other horse I looked at was a seven horse Mira's mission uh, out of the Drexler barn. He's been actually having a very good meet Brought a lot of his horses down from Woodbine to try both the turf and the synthetic course here. Uh, you get to pick up Saez for this mount, which is obviously a plus. And again, if you go back and you look at some of the back class races, this horse does fit um, with, with getting multiple wins here over the Gulfstream Park turf course. Two for eight has the numbers that work. This one was claimed three back off the synthetic. Last time was its first time on turf. Now we're going to get another time on turf here. Again, I think the mile distance is better for this horse at mile and 16. So uh, we'll see if, if Mira's mission can kind of have that kick here. And third off the claim gets a step forward for Martin Drexler. Uh, and that's the horse that I left off and was kind of considering uh, that race, that key race that actually Drillomatic uh, won. And our, t- uh, our four horse was for- fated to be fourth in. Um, this horse just kind of ran in place and, you know, maybe it was that extra distance just didn't have that little burst cause it was too far. Maybe it's cause the horse had to break from the far outside post in that spot. Either way, I watched all of those horses closely in that replay multiple times. I'm sure you did as well. I was trying to figure out, did anybody get a bad trip? Everybody kind of tripped out the way they were supposed to. And, you know, we'll see how things fall, but, uh, Mike and I definitely like the four and then we're split after that, but Hey, if the four could be loose gate to wire and that's all we needed to do move on the penultimate leg of the late pick four sequence of Gulfstream park on march 23rd wednesday we've got race seven and that is another turf mile uh no sorry dirt mile the turf race is going to be last year uh we are going to be going a seven sorry seven older florida bred phillies and mares optional claimer non-winners of one other than a level so the same thing before just now we're on the dirt four of these horses just like last time they're exiting the same key race so they all lost over this course and distance last out maybe one of them does it this time where are you going to go on top this is an interesting one for me. Um, I am not going to go to the, the horses that I, I I assume you're using the two swarmy here. I think we kind of have to start the conversation with the two horse who I am not using. Um, it's one of those spots where I just have a little bit of concern about why we're at Gulfstream Park, which is kind of weird to say because the reason is uh, we wanted state bred optional races to run in. But when you sell for $700,000 off a $40,000 stud fee for Liam's map and your first Five races are all an open company made in special weights. And you start at Indiana Grand, not a great sign. Then you go to Oakland Park, right? And then you end up breaking your maiden $86,000 maiden special weight at Churchill. And then you drop in for 20 state bread. And like, it's not like the horse wasn't working well where it was. Because if you go and look at before that last race, which was its season's debut, we've got a bullet three furlong work at 35 seconds at Oakland Park. And then they shipped in five days later to run against state breads. I mean, I've just got red flags going off all over the place here. And this horse is going to get bet off the board at seven to five. So I'm going to try and beat the two horse. I'm going to leave this puppy off altogether. Oh, by the way, last thing. Second off a 45 to 180 day layoff, Phil Barber, 0 for 21. So we've got a, a 0 for 21 on a seven to five, which has to face state bread now when it's sold for 700,000. It's just, to me, there's enough red flags here to try and go around it. So I'm going to go to the five horse on top. I'm going to go with our fantasy this is one of those that's been facing open company for Safi Joseph. Actually hasn't faced state bread since it was in his state bread stakes for $75,000 in the Kathleen O'Connell barn. This is one of those horses where you've got sneaky tactical speed. The horse has been able to pass horses. Kind of got caught late by Battle Cry, uh, who's right to the inside, but was a 50 cent on the dollar favorite that day. I think we're going to see a similar trip there where our fantasy is going to sit right behind the three horse. Or I'm sorry, the two horse, uh, swar- the, well, the speed here, and be able to get first run up. I wouldn't be shocked if our fantasy makes the lead as well, which would make our fantasy even more dangerous. Um, so for me, you know, I, I think it's one of those situations where either the five sits right outside of the two and is able to, to make first run on the turn and most likely get by and then see what happens. Or we're going to get the lead. And I think that makes the five really dangerous there. So I went with a five on top. Where did you end up on top here? The horse that beat her two back by two lengths. <laughs> That'll cry. An open company. Yeah. Listen, here's the problem with our fantasy. You know, I love Safi, and I love Tyler Gaffleone. And what I'm telling you, don't play this horse is not a good sign. Uh, I don't like this horse. She is going backwards faster than Kentucky men's basketball. That's right. I said it. Uh, Battle Cry is my top <laughs> pick here. This horse really, she, off the claim for Carlos David, hasn't had a bad race. And her one win came against Open Company 2 back when she was able to reel in Battle Cry. Um, I, this horse to me is, is going to be um, – let me restart that. This horse – 
has been the, been the best of the rest in several of her races. You look at last time out, um, there was a four to five favorite who runs off the page early or uh, in the stretch, but this horse was right there with her. Couldn't keep pace, but look at third place, eight and a half lengths farther behind. Where was, where was our fantasy that she was somewhere else? She didn't even want to try and face these horses. She was too scared. <laughs> she went to the starter allowance level. I was thinking of raspberry ballet who was third. That's too many damn battle cry raspberry ballet. Um, listen, Battle Cry really aired out last time. It was a three to five favorite that beat her best stream. There's no three to five favorite like that here. All four of her last four uh, efforts have been very respectful for this level. So I'm going to use her here. I'm actually surprised because she whooped on your top choice, who was the one to two favorite that day and is still a shorter price than Battle Cry. Why you're not using Battle Cry? Um, well, I hate Bridgman, so we'll start there. <laughs> like that'll be the, that'll be my first knock. I'm not a fan of Jockey. I also think that you have to go back and look at the fractions of that race that you're referencing. They went 22 and changed, 45 and change up front. I'm sorry, 23 and four, 45 and four. They ran a 22 flat second quarter that our fantasy took the lead on, and then Battle Cry was able to roll late to get to get to our fantasy. There's no way that they're going 22 in the second quarter in this race. There's just simply not enough pace pressure in that spot. So I don't think you're going to see nearly the same fractions up front, which I don't think sets up as well for battle cry. I'll still take the upside of a Safi Tyler horse over Carlos David and Bridgman any day of the week. Um, and I don't love the fact that off that win, they go back to state bread competition with, with battle cry instead of staying in open company or moving up a level like, no, no, we're going to go over here to state bread. So not a ton of confidence shown in the horse. The fractions, I think, were tough on, on our fantasy that day. So I, I think that, that you could see our fantasy flip the script pretty easily. I also would argue that there's more upside to our fantasy still simply because of the barn and the back numbers. I mean, if, if our fantasy finds a way to go back to the April 10th, 2021 race, these are all running for second. Like there are races that are just that much better on the five than anyone in this field, including your seven to five shot two horse. And so to, to me, because of that, I'd rather take the back races on our fantasy than anybody else. Yeah, but how many times do you see Safi get a horse and they go backwards like this one in, in their form? I mean, she had that claiming crown uh, glass zipper race uh, three back, but since that's the only one you can really point at to me. Anyways, yeah. we're going to disagree. <laughs> we should I wouldn't on. say gonna... the horse has gone backward, though. I mean, I'd just say that there's been situations that haven't been beneficial to the horse. I mean, this is still a horse that's five for 12 over this distance and four for 13 over Gulfstream. It's entered in an N1X. I mean, your seven to five shot is going to be a one-time winner trying to beat beat winners for the second time. And you have a horse like our fantasy who has four wins over this track and five at this distance. That's a it's a huge advantage for the five horse. I wouldn't be if you went five and four, I'd be like, yes. But the I don't like the two. And so that's that's my main thing is I'm against the two. I, I don't love Bridge Mahan. That's why I'm not at the four. Nick is on team Mike, Bree's on team Magic. So we'll we'll see how things work out here. Uh we both went too deep in this race, correct? Yes. I use I use Smarmy. Do you want to um I'll talk about her real quick and get out of the way, and then you can talk about your long shot. Um, who was a little intriguing there. Smarmy, yeah, you, you named every single thing uh, that has been good and bad about this horse. Uh, the, the drop to state bread is a little concerning uh, for Smarmy, but it's Phil Bauer gets some odd horses. Sometimes they're very high priced. And he had, um, was it Vquist or Sequist? One of the two Equists uh, who ended up, I think it was Vquist going to the Breeders' Cup, but he gets some odd horses. So I understand why you're like, well, why does he get a horse with that kind of a price tag? But um, I like the size of staying uh, the show horse from the uh, from the main special weight win broke through next out, but only got a 68 buyer eighth place one next out got a 64 buyer the runner ups next start got fourth at Oakland with a 64 buyer. So it's it's very yeah, I, I get why you're concerned and at a short price I'm using defensively. Mike is not only not using defensively Mike is swinging for the fences on this one go for it. Well, I'm going to go to the inside. I'm going to go to the one horse here in uh, Celestial Cheetah. Celestial uh, Cheetah. Don't Celestial you dare get my wife's name wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I didn't know she was a cheetah. Um, who's, who's, be, who's breaking uh, out of the Peter, or out of the inside post for the Peter Walder barn. Irad sees fit to run, ride this horse back. And I think that tells you a lot. The horse was $2.60 in the race where you're telling us their battle cry won, uh, or ran second, best dream won that race by eight and three quarters. This was the most bet horse in this field out of that race. And that is just your classic too bad to believe race. I, I, like, I, I can't give you any excuses to why that race sucked. But man, he sucked or she sucked in that race. Like she was awful. Now we're going to have a uh, third off the layoff here. We're coming back at a mile. We're coming back at the level. We're coming back with IRAD. All of that tells me that, that that's just a draw the line through it. 
And if you draw a line through that race, the first race off of the layoff, good enough to win this. Multiple races before the layoff, good enough to win this. You're getting five to one on Walder and Ortiz on the inside. And because of Swarmy, I think you're going to get legitimate prices on pretty much anyone else you like in this field. I'm going to take a swing with the one and, and hope that there's the upside that everyone believed there was in that race where Battle Cry finished second. And we run to the talent level versus running back to the, the effort we did last time. Listen, you're getting a, a good price. Well, hopefully you're going to get a good price on uh, a horse that I think she'll be ignored a little bit, but because of that last race, because of how bad it was, but you're going to, you're, you're literally taking a gamble on that. And I get what you're doing. You're saying like, you know, she's either uh, going to go back to that or she's done. And with those connections with Irad staying aboard and with Walter, uh, the trainer, you, you do have to trust it. Um, did scare me off of her, especially just how badly she did. Cause it was, like I said, it was so bad to believe, but um I'm not gonna not gonna knock you for it in, in that spot. Uh, here's an interesting point from from Charles and Charles. I saw you bring this up in uh, I think it was a preview, Mike and I did last. Oh yeah, it was um oh it was that stupid horse that was last in that maiden race that we like touch coat or touch a lot whatever that was. Um, but anyways, Charles brought it up before and he says I'm gonna keep fading Junior Alvarado until I see him win. He has not won since the spill in the fountain of youth. I'm looking right now. I think Charles is right. Um, do you put much stock in this because Junior Alvarado is definitely on a very cold streak. Um, I mean, at some level, I guess you have to at this point, it's long enough now that you have to at least look at it and say, okay, and, and I don't watch enough of Junior Alvarado uh, to tell you if he's riding the same as he was before of that. Um, but I, it's definitely something you have to keep, at least keep in mind. I would also say Mott has been pretty bad since then, too. Like off the top of my head, I can't think of any Bill Mott horses that have won. Um, and if Mott's not winning, it's much more difficult for Alvarado. So I would also take a peek at that. You know, if you if you remove all Mott horses that Alvarado rid, has ridden, how bad is that streak, right? Because because if Mott's struggling as well, Junior's naturally going to struggle at Gulfstream. That's where he gets his best mounts from. They're they're kind of tied, or he's tied to Mott's hip in that sense. So yep. um, if Mott is struggling, and I like just off the top of my head, it feels like he is. I would assume that Junior is going to be struggling as well, and vice versa. Mott needs to get that shit turned around for the uh, UAE Derby. We got uh, go, or whatever that horse, Golden Age, or whatever his name is out there. Uh, if UAE Derby. Um, I'm Don't looking at junior. <laughs> uh, junior Alvarado has not won since the Gulfstream Park mile with Speaker's Corner two races before the spill in the Fountain of Youth stakes. So, yeah, Charles is right. I mean, he's had a bunch of seconds in thirds. So um, I would say I, I'm going to lean more towards Mike uh, saying check what Mott did. But listen, it's, it's a good point and something uh, a spill like that is dangerous. I think that's Charles's point is that sometimes it can, you know, put a little fear into you. So, well, uh, it's right so. Second. Split second decision making. If if you if you're thinking about it, you don't hit that hole as fast as you can. It goes away, and then all of a sudden you're getting a different trip with the horse, and, and it like it just changes the way that you ride. And so if if you are riding with just a little bit of hesitancy, that can be a huge problem. Final leg, the late pick four sequence at Gulfstream Park, March twenty third on Wednesday, race eight. We're going back to the turf for a seven and a half furlong route. Okay, uh, attracted a full uh, dozen main fillies in for twenty five k tags. Mike, that distance makes no sense. We literally just went a mile, two races back in the turf, seven and a half. I don't understand it. Just like the last two races, we've got a key one here. Uh, four of these finished second through fifth in their last out race, and then Blue Kentucky Girl started and then bolted. Uh, did you go on top with Blue Kentucky Girl or maybe someone else? I went in a different direction instead of the 20 to 1 12 horse. Shocker. Uh, I went for the 12 horse, Sinfulicious, who actually came out of that race in third place, um, but did not break well at all. Had to kind of get a weird trip, ended up rushing out as out late. I think that there's a little more speed in the 10 here. I think Jaramillo staying aboard is a good sign. I like Jaramillo in these, these seven and a half furlong type sprint races because he generally forwardly places his horse more than a lot of these jockeys. So I have a feeling that we're going to see a little bit of speed here from Sinfulicious. Um, and like the biggest logical improvement angle out there is second time starter. So you could take a massive step forward. Even if you take a slight step forward here, to me, the numbers for the 10 with a 10% upgrade tower over the rest of this field in a lot of ways. I do think there's a couple really interesting horses in here. So I'm going to spread a little bit, but I, I like the 10 quite a bit. The other horse I thought was a really intriguing is the eight horse here, L.E. Gray uh, for David Fox. It's a first time starter as a four year old, not something I, I necessarily love. But Fox is 13% with first-time starters, $4.17 ROI, $4.81 first time on turf. But note that his maiden claimers win 15% out first time out. So a little bit better than his overall two-year-old or overall first-time starter record. And that's a $4.43 ROI. 
I have some interest in the one horse, King's Legacy, which is also a David Fox first-time starter. Uh, it's out of it's a, a daughter of Animal Kingdom. Animal Kingdom is one of those sires that I really like. Um, so I'm going to go to the eight where Miguel Vasquez ends up because Miguel Vasquez is the go-to rider for uh, comparatively, uh, at least for David Fox, who started 16 times here at Gulfstream, 25% win percentage, versus uh, Panici, who has started four times for Fox with a 0% win percentage. So I'm going to follow the jock to what I believe is the better horse. That's the eight horse here, who I think has got a shot at running a monster race first time out. And look, there's just not that much in here. I, I wouldn't be shocked if first time stars able to get the job done. So I'm going 10-8 as my two must-use horses in the spot. And I hate both of them. Um, your, your 10 horse, you gave me the argument. You said my argument before it like, broke poorly last time out. Guess what? We're going shorter with a quicker run up to that turn. You're drawn farther outside. You do that again. Bye-bye. You're not winning this race. Um, as far as the eight horse goes, I was about to say, do you realize Fox has two horses in here and you picked the wrong one? Uh, Frosted. Is a five. I, I use both. So. <laughs> but one of you picked the wrong one is your must use. Frosted is a five percent turf route sire. A five percent out of 126 tries turf route sire. That you basically put a practical joke or a gun runner uh, on top in that spot. That to me, and the only reason you could like it, you did say to your point, uh, is because Vasquez is the better rider and ended up there. Um, I ended up. I forgot to say this. I ended up playing two different tickets here because of how cheap I went, and so there I used both the Fox horses on the 50 center but a lot of it's because of the one and i was like well he's got the one he's got the eight i might as well use them both here but the one uh for animal kingdom above average turf route sire 13 percent plus the ones damn five for 16 on the turf um the eight the only things to like about that the draw is better because you're not debuting on the rail uh and you're also getting for fox the better jockey but um otherwise i'm gonna pass on that and you and i agree pretty much everywhere else except with my top pick who is the seven tis impressive I'm going to use the seven as my top pick in this spot. Six to one. I think this horse is extremely sneaky and extremely live here. Tis way. We'll start with the sire above average turf route sire, 14% with his kids getting older, 15% when they're at least four years old winning versus 13% when they're uh, the national average. The dam was unraced, but three of the older siblings, their seven combined wins came on turf routes. Five of them came when the horses were age four or older. So a lot of these horses, when they get onto turf, when they get older, they get better. I, we already talked before about how Nix and Gaffleon are really good together. 37% of Gulfstream. Nix is also 29% with second start maidens. So she's taking a class drop, a price drop from the 50K optional claimer to the 25K level. We haven't seen her since she was three. She raced once. I think there's some injury issues, some soundness issues. They're just like, if somebody wants her for 25, you can have her because, you know, maybe she only has one or two starts left in her. But I'm, I'm really banking here. Pedigree, time, connections, six to one. I love this horse. But you're willing to take that uh, the four percent first time turf for Ralph Nix, which is worse than the five percent first time turf or turf routing for my my eight horse. Absolutely. I mean, to me, it, it's this is I don't Nix think thirty two percent right now. Thirty two percent at the meet overcomes all sorts of other things. But he's thirty two percent at the meet and he's four percent first time turf. How over, bad over is two years? That's over a two year period. Don't try and spin this bullshit. Get out of well, here. Over five year period, he's only seven percent. So it's not like he got much better over the five year. period. He gets better with time, just like Tisway horses, just like the Dams uh, progeny. Thank you. Well, this, Making my this, argument. This one better get a lot better very quickly because that was a terrible race it came out of. You see the two next out winners. Those two next out winners were not very good. Additionally, that was in the non-champions meet golf stream time. That's not the champ. So, like, you're getting the lower level of horses in an optional 50 that you start out with. You don't run for a lick. Like, it, it, that's one of those races where I think you, you, you might be overestimating uh, what was in that race. So, just, just kind of a, a grain of salt to, to, for that one. Um, look... Yeah, I mean, I just yeah, I, I get why you like the seven, but I I don't want any I don't have any interest in. It. I was also dirt sprinting, and the horse drew the rail for the debut, so lots of excuses there. Mm -hmm. Lots of come on, you use those excuses all the time. Get out of here. Don't don't start with this. Hey, it's a woodbine. It's a good race. Get out of here. Yeah, yeah. But get out of here. Talk about your next horse. Then I don't take six months off and bring the horse back at a at a completely different style of race and hope that it turns out well. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna go with the five next. I, I like cocoa icing. Cocoa icing. I think this is one of those where like, look, if you're using the ten like I am, I, I have to be using the five here. Ran second in that race. And that wasn't its best turf effort. The race two back was its best turf effort. By the way, Vasquez getting off the five horse to go ride the eight, but whatever. Um, and so I, I'm going to use the 
five Coco Ice in here because I, this is the, the horse that has the best numbers in this spot. I think this race is fairly wide open. Um, after that, I went to the 11 horse Temperamental. Uh, this is one I think is interesting because you have that same style. We've talked about it a ton here. Showed speed on the synthetic. We cut back from the $70,000 maiden special weight level. We went down to 35 claiming, did that over the synth, showed speed, quit over the speed, quit over the synthetic. Now we're going to the turf. Practical joke, but <laughs> we have seen practical joke win the last at Gulfstream Park before, even though you like to shit all over him. Um, so I, I, this is one where I like the price. I like Saez. I think this horse is your, your likely leader um, toward in, into the first turn. I, I hate the post, but I at least like the fact that we're going to show some speed. And then I'm going to close it out with the one, uh, which is, you know, the other David Fox horse here. You know, the one who's going to run second to the eight. Uh, in this one, it goes back to, you mentioned, Animal Kingdom is a sneaky good sire, specifically over the turf. I like me some Animal Kingdom. I like it more when it's like second or third start. You had a couple in the dirt first, but I'm still going to lean toward that. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's one of those where I kind of was drawn to the one. And then with the eight there, I went to the eight over the one because of the jockey switch. But I, I, I don't hate the one at all yeah the stats are good but you it's just um it's kind of a mess right this is the wednesday finale so you're i'm used to the saturday finales where they're at least the, if they're this level there's more fireworks to them but uh this one's just kind of it's a hell of a betting of, race it is a hell of a betting race i'll give it to him it, it's tough with her she's a three-year-old debuting against older horses a lot of them have experience and she's on the rail and she's going two turns um lots of issues but again we don't you know the, the other horses they're not super exciting you touched on the five and eleven who i also used the five and seven were the two must uses for me so um the five horse here it feels like with the five she's just she's going to graduate sooner than later and you just gotta it feels like this is probably going to be about the time and then with the 11 she wins one way and that's if saya's quarter horses the shit out of her when that gate opens because you're gonna have to clear 10 horses and then try and get that lead but i think if she does uh, i think could be pretty good uh, the winner last out repeated on the Gulfstream Park Synthetic versus Starter Allowance horses. Got a 60 buyer, and the show horse that day was second next time out, going maiden 35 on the Gulfstream Park turf. Got a 55 buyer. So for this level, those numbers all fit. The post, I think if the 11 wasn't drawn so far out, I think I'd be a lot more excited about her. But we are at least going to use her because if she does get the lead with size and you know the potential speed she might have. I also think it's interesting, Mike, she's a New York bred that never tried turf in New York. And they sent her down here trying to get on turf, it seems like, because she had been racing in New York and, and had been with Inglehart. And now he's finally moved to Gulfstream. They're going to reunite. So uh, very curious to see what she does. I do want to ask you um, about the horse that Nick Feldman is talking about, the number nine, Princess Teresca uh, for <laughs> Reverigo. I can't even say that uh, the trainer's last name. <laughs> Apologize. Uh, but Nick says has, the nine horse has shown speed on synthetic, now moves to turf. Might find itself on a nice lead and get confident. Great angle for Nick. His speed synthetic to turn at Gulfstream. What do you think about the nine? Um, look, I, I spent some time looking at this horse because I, it's, we're coming out since sprints. So if the nine wants the lead, the nine is fast enough to go get the lead. I'm not a huge fan of Lugo. That was one of my, my bigger issues with this horse. I'm also really unsure about the seven and a half furlongs for this horse. Um, if you look at all of its races, we're talking all sprints here. So we started out at five and a half. The longest distance we've gone is six. Uh, I mean, the question is how brave can the nine get? And then on top of that, those sprints were all at the $16,000 level, which is the bottom level of maiden claiming essentially for the, for the synthetic. And we're coming up to $25,000, which is not the bottom level on the turf. So we're almost taking a step forward in class. Like if, if there was no speed in here, I'm interested in the nine, but the fact that like you have Saez, who's a push rider sitting on the 11, I think the 10 shows some more speed. Mm -hmm. I think the one break, yeah. I think the one probably tries to show speed. I don't think the one sits. So like there's enough other players in here that I, I think you're going to see more speed than, than just, you know, the nine being able to gallop out by itself, which is what I think the nine would need to be able to wire this field. So interesting long shot. If you're going five deep, and you want to add the nine. I'm not telling you not to do that. Right. If you're going two or three deep, I think the nine's a tough one to get to. If you're spreading here, I think the nine does make some sense. I mean, you're getting 20 to one on a horse that you think might be controlling speed and turf maiden claimers at Gulfstream. You could make a right. lot worse decisions with that, uh, as I'm sure Nick knows. Um, I'll bring it back to this full circle before we get out of here. Uh, Charles, who does Mott have on his horse uh, March 26th at Gulfstream? Nobody. Bill Mott has two horses at Fairgrounds. Junior Alvarado is riding both of them. Olympiad in the New Orleans Classic. He's going to be a very short price. So if you want to keep fading Alvarado, that is the race to do it because Olympiad's going to be a very, very heavy favorite. And then, of course, Galt in the Louisiana Derby. So 
Um, he's going to have that. And Alvarado's riding both of them on the 25th as well. So, Of course, Galt's in the Louisiana Derby. Because why wouldn't Galt show up there? <laughs> Three weeks later, after taking a, a little bit of a tumble there. Yeah. Actually, no, High Oak was the one who took the bad tumble. Galt just kind of tripped in that sense of the jockey yeah. flying. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, uh, yes, yeah, Dennis says y'all got to be winning pick four. Dennis, I'm going for back-to-backs. We haven't talked about that yet this show because it really wasn't that big of a cash. But it was a 10% or 10 times ROI. I uh, was able to cash the, the pick four with my 50 center last weekend, uh, beating a couple of big favorites, which was pretty nice to do as well. The thing is, is if you go back and you look at our pick our $5 tickets, we had all the horses in it. We both played $5 tickets. I had the, the nine in the second leg. You had three six. That was a leg in your $5 ticket you missed. Uh, the first race, if I listen to you and go go ahead and use that five, like there's there are ways that we could have gotten that to a, to a decent number. And when you saw it, like it's interesting, we both played small tickets and both played five dollar tickets. That kind of tells you it's one of those sequences where you're going to have to hit it multiple times if you want to make make some money because it just shows like it's going to be tough to get around some of these shorter prices. Yeah, it's uh, it's something you know that Mike has preached for years, and I'm slowly been coming around to it and had a five dollar ticket because it went pretty cheap today. <laughs> All right, Mike, that's going to do it for this episode of the Magic Mike Show. Thanks so much for joining Mike and I for this impromptu Wednesday preview on a Monday. Really hope that you enjoyed this, and it was a slow weekend, so we figured why not have some fun and see if we can give out uh, back-to-back winning tickets for Gulfstream on the show. If it's ever the one of us, we'd love it. We do have a little bit of crossover, as you'll find out as we give out our tickets. Me, for 50 cents, I'm going to start going 3-6 with 2-4. Actually, Mike, you start because I need to fix that. It's still not right. <laughs> Oh, we are killing it, Magic. All right, I'm, gonna play, I'm only going to play a 50 cent ticket. I actually thought about putting a five dollar ticket together here, but I ended up going with a 50 cent ticket. I went one, three, six, eight with four, ten with one, five with one, five, eight, ten, eleven. That'll cost you forty dollars for 50 cents, uh, and I will kick it over to Magic here. Yeah, I still had last show's tickets, and I was so happy about last show. I still had the tickets from last show, away. and you know, I was like, those numbers aren't right. 50 cents. I'm starting three six. Then two four, then two four, then one five seven eight eleven uh, for twenty dollars. Then for five dollars, me really pressing a six with the four, with the four, and then five seven in the last there for ten dollars. Taking some swings against some favorites there, see if it works. Uh, two shows in a row, Mike. Uh, any final thoughts on Gulfstream before we go over the rails? No, I'm I'm really excited about going over the rails. Like, I've been waiting it. forty minutes to do this. Let's go. <laughs> I hit the wrong button. Hold on. Come on, play the video here. We're just all hyped up. No antics of any kind except speed, and there we go with the antics. All right, Mike, it's time for everybody's favorite segment on the Magic Mike Show, Over the Rails, where we take listener questions, comments, and frankly, just go completely over the rails with whatever we're going to talk about. And uh, we started it last week, or last show, rather, uh, on 359, and Mike asked for people to send in emails to us at contact at racingdudes.com. We've already got some, and let's start off with the best one, the first one we got from Jared, number two, a.k.a. not Jared Welch. We had to call him Jared number two. Jared wants to know best bachelor party ideas in Saratoga for more, mostly non-horse racing fanatics, restaurants, bars, activities, etc. It sounds Mike like uh, Jared and the best man. Uh, Jared's the best man. Jared and his best man. I'm sorry, are both horse racing guys, and everybody else is going to be there. They could care less. So maybe a little an afternoon at the track, but otherwise, what do you recommend for him? Okay, so this is I'm I'm was so pumped to get this question because first off I love Saratoga like and I love the idea of bachelor parties because not because of the bachelor party part of it because as you get older you have less and less of these weekends to be able to have with your friends where it's just you and your friends and just having a really good time. So number one thing I would say is get a really cool house. Just get a really nice house wherever you are in Saratoga. It might cost a few bucks because it's racing season, but 100% is worth it because you you're going to spend a decent amount of time there and it, it, like you're just hanging out with 10 of your best friends have a cool place to do it. So number one thing, get a cool house. Uh, If you're going to go to the track one day, Saturday, I'd say would be the day to go because they mentioned the email one day and I would 100% run for tables. So it's one of the traditions at Saratoga or pay someone. Actually, you should have a bet on Friday night and whoever loses the bet has to get their ass up at 6 a.m. and go run for a table for the entire group and hold it down until everyone gets there at 11 a.m. Uh, with my family, we have a blast playing beer pong in the back. So if you have one table, you can just play beer pong. So the people who don't care about the horses can be playing drinking games while your guys are, who care about the horses are able to watch. It's a great way to spend the afternoon. And it's, it's just being in the back, 100% the way to go. By the way, it's my family reunion that weekend. So I'll be there running for tables that morning as well on Saturday. Uh, if you want to stop by and say hi, I can give you congratulations, Jared. Uh, Magic, he's also, they're very hard to find. They're the 36 <laughs> people all wearing red Summit shirts. With numbers any, uh, on the back. Any thoughts on the racing side of it? Anything else you do differently? 
wait. Oh, no, as far as, well, I've never been to Saratoga. So everything that you've said, I've heard about as being really fun. Um, he even had asked, should he make the best man be the one to run for tables? And I think your idea is better because the best man, I mean, that's, I haven't been a best man yet, but it, it, I've seen it and I've had a best man. It's a hard job. So he's got enough going on. Don't make him run for tables. He's probably going to be trying to organize um, you and the nine uh, other assholes who are up there with, with you at Saratoga. So he's going to be pretty busy with that. Definitely make either the drunkest person or have a bet about it. Yeah, that's a good um, one. As far as bars, uh, so Druthers Brewing is one of those that I think we, is definitely worth going to. It's a pretty chill kind of hangout bar in Saratoga. So that one would be a good one. Um, there's Caroline Street Pub, which is a, a pretty cool bar. It's just kind of like it's got a pool table. It's got this big outdoor area as well. So you can hang out there. Um, and then I like Nine Maple Ave. Um, it's kind of a, a, a more hard liquor type bar, but that one I think is pretty cool as well. So that those would be the three bar type places I would recommend. I got a question for you on this, though. Yeah. General bachelor party activities, because I have yes. three others here that I think are, are definite winners. But general bachelor party activities that you'd recommend here. Um, I mean, I, I've, I would assume Saratoga has got to have some golf courses around, right? Like that's, I, I don't golf. I mean, I enjoy golfing, but I'm not, I think it's been probably four. Well, it's been since I was in Vegas. So I did top golf and that's, you know, more or less golf. <laughs> it's golfing at a sports bar, but yeah, go to a driving range. If you're not golfers, go to a driving range for now. Just get a bunch of buckets and bring some beer out. I mean, do something. If the weather's nice, definitely a golf course uh, activity for like the morning and early afternoon. So if you are not going to the track three days, you can get cheap tea times in Saratoga while the track is running. So oh, Friday yes. or Sunday, what I would do if you have 11 people, get three tea times and play a scramble. Like Because I have friends who don't golf. I like to golf quite a bit, but we have like all different skill levels. So we'll just play a best ball. So everyone hits the ball at the tee and you all go to the one ball that's the best of the four shots. Everyone hits from there. You go to So then people who suck at golf don't feel bad. You're not really slowing anybody down. Uh, everyone can drink and have a good time. You make some putts, everyone chips in, everyone has a good time. So I would highly recommend definitely doing that. Cause I think, uh, I think that's a lot of fun. So, so that's a big one for me, depending on how crazy your group is, uh, Niagara falls is four and a half hours away. Uh, so if it was me and my friends, we would probably get a party bus on Sunday night and stay in Niagara falls Sunday night. Um, because there are certain things there that you want to unsee but enjoy seeing the first time. And we'll leave it at that. Uh, so Niagara Falls on the Canada side has some very nice casinos and other adult establishments that uh, could definitely be part of this party if you're interested in, in that jam. Uh, and then the last one, and this was, I, I'm ripping this off from my buddy. This was by far the best thing I've ever seen or been a part of at a bachelor party. So my friend got married, uh, his bachelor party was in Portland. We got a life-size cardboard cutout. He's 6'6". We got a life-size cardboard cutout of him. And we put a hole in it and tied a Sharpie to it. And he had to carry it around with him everywhere. And it held a sign that said, give me marital advice. And so we had everyone from the, the waitresses to the bartenders to random people we met on the street sign the, the, the cardboard cutout that he's carrying around with a Sharpie that at the racetrack would be freaking hilarious. Okay. Like the, some of the recommendations you would get from some of these people would be absolutely awesome. So uh, <laughs> I would highly right now, I realize that it's your, you are the, the bachelor here. So you're almost embarrassing yourself in a way, but hopefully your best man hears this and gets a big ass cardboard cutout of you so that everyone can be signing it with marital advice. Cause some of like the best part about it, and this is kind of the underrated, it was hilarious in the moment. We all got together a year and a half, two years ago, pulled this thing out of the closet. And every single person who signed it, has, there's a story around it. So you sit there with your boys and you're just laughing oh, and joking man. about it. And it brings you back to that weekend, which was really, really cool. So that's one that, that like I had never seen done or heard of before. My, my buddy thought it up. I thought it was a great idea. Oh, that's a genius. Oh, I got I to gotta remember that. If I forget to go <laughs> to the best. Oh, that's a genius one. Uh, I love that. Um. All great ideas. Uh, back to the golf thing real quick. I saw one of them, uh, one of the, Sar the Saratoga Spa course maybe, um, has a, a par three course. So, again, let's say you're not big golfers or you're like everybody thinks they're going to suck or something. You just go play the par three and it's nine holes and you're, you know, you're also if you're very badly hung over. Just do nine holes instead of the full 18. Maybe a bit of a trudge here. Um, Dennis with a recommendation. Friday, play the scramble. The losing team runs for tables Saturday. That's a good one. That makes yeah. golfing Friday a hell of a lot more uh, uh, intense. Charles wants to know, do you prefer beer pong or beer bong? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, that's the right uh, answer. I prefer – well, okay, that's I can't say that because, like, I, I'm a competitive person, so I love the, the competitive aspect of beer you? pong. I'm playing anything. I feel like I have to win. 
Well, we like we 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 did the beer bong thing at a UCLA football game, but of course we did races. It wasn't just what you do. Like, no, you're racing versus the person next to you. So, like, I I like competing, so I prefer the beer pong side of the beer bong bit. But um, you know, beer bongs aren't are not fun. I also uh, Cindy brings up a good point here. There is there's like so I'm going to talk about the poker side. The other two I think we've already addressed. Um, yes. <laughs> there is Turning Stone in upstate New York, which has a very good poker uh, room, and there's also Foxwoods, which is in uh, Massachusetts. Which you could like again party bus to either of those, um, and that would be there are places to stay there, and there's good both poker and other gambling. So highly recommend those as well. Man, uh, what weekend was this, Mike? This would be August seventh. I think I'm coming to Saratoga August 7th. Oh, <laughs> I think boy. that's what I think. I think I, uh, between, I think, and I'm not even, I'm just going to go find Jared. I'm going to go jo join Jared's, uh, <laughs> join yeah, that whole thing. That sounds like a lot of fun. Maybe we'll go to the, and I'll be like them. We'll go to the track a little bit, but we'll just go have fun otherwise. No, that's a great one. And listen, Jared, thank you very much for being the first over the rails question we had. Again, if you got a question, it could be literally anything. It doesn't have to be horse racing. In fact, kind of prefer get the horse racing talk done and out of the way. And this is for all the other shit. Uh, contact at racingdudes.com. Yep. And Bree is right. Foxwoods is in Connecticut, not Massachusetts. I was thinking Boston for some reason. Listen, I'm in Los Angeles. It's the Northeast. Yeah, right. It's not New York. Really it's small Northeast. states anyway. Like you yeah. can get from one to the other quickly. Jesus, you can fit like three and a half of them in Los Angeles. Come on. <laughs> That's pretty bad. Uh, let's see. Is there anything? Oh, there was one more comment I want to go back to. Where is it? Blah, blah, blah. Archie, where are you? There we go. Archie says, we'd love to see the Magic Mike team do a live bankroll for the Saturday Louisiana Derby card. I'll be there and it would be a whole lot of fun to follow. First of all, congratulations. Have a blast at Fairgrounds. Um, a huge day of racing. Looking a little chalky, so if, if you're if you handicap and you think it looks a little chalky, uh, that's kind of where we lined up. But I'll do you one better. Instead of the Magic Mike team, you're going to get the Racing Dudes team to be doing a full live bankroll. We'll be doing a live coverage of Louisiana Derby Day, probably the late pick four or five, because I know there's a bunch of, that's where all the stakes races are at, culminating in, of course, Louisiana Derby and our boy Epicenter winning once again at Fairgrounds because he's just the best. Uh, but that's going to be happening on Saturday because we have the inside track to the Louisiana Derby wagering guide coming out this week on Wednesday. Wednesday or Thursday, we'll get it to you. Um, but yeah, we uh, we have that. It's covering every single race on Fairgrounds card. In-depth coverage of all the stakes. But if, if you're like Archie and you're going to be there, you want to play the whole day, get the guide. It's got Aaron's race-by-race uh, -race breakdown. And of course, the Louisiana Derby coming um charles says i love jared's fireside chat videos uh yeah that was the first one if you missed it jared's fireside chat is, is kind of kentucky derby corner rant uh was pretty good uh if you want to know what jared is like in real life that video is a very good like i mean jared has a nice side too but there is that that side of jared that's real that that is not jared acting one bit uh that is jared finally just said, told us i just want to get on the youtube channel and say some shit and we're like okay Go ahead, and that's what you got. So uh, go check that out if you missed that one. I think this Nick brings up a really good point, too, back to the bachelor party thing. And this yeah. is actually a recommendation for anyone bringing friends to the racetrack. This that is are Mike's not favorite thing ever. Show parlays are incredible. If you're in Vegas, you should be playing show parlays with your friends. You get to drink for free all day because you're betting like $40, $50 shows. They're going to give you tickets. And then you just run up there. You rebet it. If you hit one or two in a row, all of a sudden you got like 10 drink tickets, and you're good to go, and you're drinking for free instead of – paying 10 bucks a drink you have some chance of winning money so i'm a huge show fan show parlay fan but in general bachelor party first time bringing people to the track anything like that just pull up the money and like just just do stupid shit like I, okay we do like my you'll be shocked but we actually have bachelor parties at the racetrack with my family so like all our immediate ones we have a breathalyzer okay and before each race the, the groom blows into the breathalyzer and you get that horse to win if it's not a double digit and you get the exacta if it is. So, like, if you blow a 0.13, you play the 1-3 exacta. If you blow a 0.08, you got the 8 to win, right? So, like, we'll do that before every race. Now, when, you, when you're starting to use the 2 in the exacta is when you should probably pump the brakes a little. But it is a fun way to do it. And it's, a, it's a fun way to, to kind of, uh, yeah, get people who are not interested in horse racing involved in it and enjoying themselves. Yeah, that's when you don't want the uh, – when life is good draws post 2 and you've got uh, midnight bourbon in post 1, you're like – Ah, uh, can we get him to blow point twenty one by the feature race? <laughs> it's it's breathalyzers are, are a wonderful and terrible thing in, in and of themselves. I mean, I had never gotten so drunk in my life until I got a breathalyzer because I wanted to see how drunk I could get when I got a breathalyzer. So that was definitely not the best thing in the world to own. 
Uh, let's end on a fun topic about Baffert, the ruling today. Cindy's talking about it. Dennis talking about it. Uh, Bree talking about it. Um, yeah, really, there wasn't much change. This, they just pushed it further down the road. His, his suspension, if he has a suspension. I was trying to explain it to Aaron, and I don't know if I did a great job of it or not. But, um, Dennis, if you blew a 1.1, you just play the 1 twice. That's what you do, Dennis. Or you can play a double or the 11. You got options. And the beauty is, is if, you're, if you're blowing a 1, well... 1.1, you're still not that. Point, I think he means 0.11. Yeah, well, 1.1, yeah, I mean, you are more than dead. Yeah. You're well, dead over 100% me. of your alcohol, blood is alcohol at that point, and that's not going <laughs> to go well for anybody. Um, uh, anyway, speaking about getting that much alcohol to talk about Bob Baffert, yeah, uh, Baffert, he, he still can appeal it. They basically just said your your suspension can't start until, what was it, April 4th or 8th or something like that. But because it's the Kentucky Horse Racing Commission, it's a state commission, it's not the track. So if the state commission says you're suspended 90 days, California can do it. New York can do it. This is why this is a bigger deal for them right now than the Churchill fight. So um, nothing changes other than they just delayed it another couple of weeks. But uh, we'll see. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on the Baffert thing? Uh, it's another blow to Bob Baffert. I mean, I think that's the short. But like, the longer the can gets kicked down the road, the longer the can gets kicked down the road, the less likely he has a horse in the derby. Right. And, and today they kicked it another month down the road. And that that makes it harder and harder for him, because at some point you also have to be like, well, do I get these points back? Do we not get the points? Like, how are we doing this? And, and that'll be its own appeal because the rules say you can't get it. So if you want them to change it, you have to appeal it. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, you're you're essentially again gonna it just keeps moving things down the road. It slows things down. It gets things caught up. And that you're gonna hear more talk like this now. Like, are we going to see Messier or his other top horses go to new trainers now for a last prep? I I think it's unlikely just because. We, it's a little late in the game to try and make that move. And I don't necessarily think CDI wouldn't be like, Nope, Nope, Nope. Like I, I think they would shut the door on some of it because they would say, this is still a Bob Baffert trained horse that they'll, they'll say like, yeah, I realize you switched over to Dean Wayne Lucas, which is who Aaron Roof like thought would possibly do it. I mean, like, yeah. like they're, they like, no, sorry. Messier is a Baffert horse. We're not allowing you to have points. And, and, one thing I will say is like a positive for CDI here because I'm generally not that positive about them. Uh, right. Look, they have clearly said we're sticking to our guns. Screw you, and and good for them, man. Like if that like if that's your stance, then stick to it. And I would be surprised if if they didn't decide that because they have decided they can be dictators in some of these these spots to continue to do so and say nope, you're not allowed. We're not letting this horse in. Uh, it's ironic that this was brought up during the chat because halfway through the show, I got an email from the crisis management firm, which by the way, if you have to hire a crisis management firm, not a great thing going on there, Bobby, uh, got an email from the, uh, crisis management firm with a statement from attorney, uh, Clark Brewster. And they said, let me know if you have any questions. And I said, how do I get unsubscribed? That was my one question. So I love that. There's just Bob Baffert in my emails and in the chat cannot escape Hey, God bless Bob Baffert. The one thing or human being or whatever you want to call him uh that makes us go you know what cdi's got a good point over here i think we should listen <laughs> right. to him god damn the one thing that could get us to turn positive on CDI. like cdi and they're what 28 percent low uh take uh, on the pick four it's crazy well i just i freaking hate their idea around the arlington day too i mean that is i don't think we talked about that that's wild that like we're gonna have one random day where we're running in August. So everyone has to ship in. And yeah, I realize there's tracks close by and it's not that, but like everyone on the card has to ship in because there's not a race the day before the day after the month. Like it's dark right then. Like I just, I can't believe that they're not just doing a colonial, which they bought has a better turf course. And Oh, by the way, is running then like, it's just, it's, it's like, it's kind of like how the Carolina hurricanes have Hartford whalers nights. Every time Boston comes to town, just to be a dick. <laughs> Like that is the level that they're like, it's, it's, just, it's oh yeah, no, that's hundred percent accurate. It, it's just unbelievable that this is like the decision that we decided to make here is that like, we're, we're closing down a racetrack and then we are going to poke everyone like in the side incessantly who loved Arlington by then having it at our place. The hurricanes do well. Why do they do whalers nights versus the Bruins? <laughs> Just because oh, Boston and Connecticut are close, I guess. Yeah, they, and there were a bunch of fans that, that ended up Bruins fans after the Whalers oh, and got all pissed off awesome. about it. So they they have like so the owner. So I didn't realize this, but I guess IP transfers with a franchise. So like because yep. 
it's the whalers like so that all the ip of the whalers ip is owned by the carolina hurricanes so they can sell jerseys logos all that jazz so the owner has really leaned into it when he bought them um and so he has whalers nights and that's always against boston and then he has the jerseys and the hats and all that kind of thing that they sell there and so uh they really leaned into the kind of the whalers thing which by the way like really underrated jersey in my mind the gray one is really nice with the blue and the green and then you got the cute little whale that's hanging out right here on the shoulder i'm like i'm it's, it's a good look you know what a good look is watching more of the magic mike show we'll be back on thursday we're covering the late pick four sequence at fairgrounds because we cannot make chris jones upset mike we have a duty to chris jones we need to cover fairgrounds because it's the big weekend and how about this since we had the live bankroll thing the question that was asked here by and we both agree that this last half of the card could could chalk out a little bit why don't we come up with one or two plays we like earlier in the card that are 10 to 1 plus boarding line so there's a couple long shots that we think are, are worthwhile because I know we're both going to dive into the card well before Thursday. So um, why don't we uh, why don't we say we're going to take two 10 to one shots or more in the early races and then we'll, we'll give out a late pick four. I love it. That's great. That'll make it a little bit more entertaining um, because, again, I, I took a look at it because the uh, first draft of the guide is done. And uh, it, it, I was like, man, this feels so chalky. Or it's Louisiana breads that we don't know much about. And because of that, that might be where we find some prices. So tune in on Thursday at 5 Eastern, 2 Pacific. Make sure you download the Magic Mike Show on podcast form, however you find podcasts. And, of course, YouTube.com slash Racing Dudes for our show, Blinkers Off Show, Do to Bet Sports, which will be live here in 55 minutes. Make sure you check them out covering the um, – I don't even – there's no word to describe the craziness, the madness of uh, this past four days in March. But – Make sure you check those guys out. We'll be back on Thursday. Until then, I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. Good luck this week, guys. We'll see you Thursday. This has been a presentation of RacingDudes.com, your destination for all things horse racing and sports betting. Whether you want free winners, expert insider picks, up-to-the-minute trackside weather reports, or podcasts and videos for bettors of all skill levels, Never make another wager without visiting the Racing Dudes first.